Father, what a great reminder. Without Christ, our life is incredibly empty. Without the gift of salvation that comes through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us, then we spend our time searching for answers and trying to fill the emptiness in us that we can't fill. So thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, and the life that's offered through him. Father, in the next few moments, we're going to open your word, and we're going to ask that by your spirit, you would help us to understand truth. And God, often when we run in or we bump into truth, it's uncomfortable for us. And sometimes we kind of shut our mind off or our ears off and and we don't want to hear it. And so, would you make us aware? Would you help us to understand how it applies to our lives and the change that it could make in us? Father, I pray that it would be your word that we hear this morning and not mine. I pray that your spirit would be free to touch and minister to our hearts. Grant us the courage to walk away from this place changed because we've run into you. And we'll praise you for it in your name. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. So last week when we were together, I ran out of time. So I'm going to ask permission this morning to do a Give Accordingly Part 2. Can I have permission? Okay. Because even if you said no... I was going to do it anyway because that's what I'm prepared to do. So that's where we were headed. But thank you for agreeing with me. We're going to do Give Accordingly Part 2 this morning. And I'm going to read the scripture to you in just a minute. But let me do a little background, a little intro. Remember last week as we were talking about this, we kind of described where we live as a culture and the fact that we have more than most people do. Uh, Even those among us who don't have much or those who would be considered in our uh, in our country or in our, in our county or our towns, uh, to be those who would be living in poverty in most of the world would be seen as wealthy, okay? So just remember that that's the starting point of this conversation, that God has called each one of us, if you're a Christ follower, and remember that's also what we're talking about here today, that if you're a Christ follower, this applies to you. If not, then this is something you need to think about, and you got to figure out where God fits kind of into your world. But if you're a Christ follower, then we're asked by God to give according to what we have. Uh, we're, not, we're not asked to, to live life to the fullest of our enjoyment and, and get all that we can get and then get before God and go, I hope you're happy with how I live life. That's not what he does. If we're Christ followers, if we're in Christ, if we've come to the place where we understand what Christ did on our behalf, he paid the price for our sins, and we accept the gift that he's given to us, then we're, we're in a different position with him. And so all of a sudden, the requirement for us is different. And that's what we're talking about. So let me read these verses, and then we'll jump into kind of the middle uh, where we left off last week. Matthew chapter 25, if you have your Bible, starting at verse 14. Now, when I start this, remember that in chapter 24, the disciples had come to Jesus and they sat down. They're sitting kind of on a mountain. and It's a great view and they're with Jesus. And Jesus did this often. He didn't teach a lot in classroom setting, kind of like this. This isn't how it happened. 
It was often done in the daily life, and they'd be walking along, or they would sit down, or they would be in the temple, or they would be somewhere, and they would ask a question, and Jesus would take the next few minutes, and he would teach them, and that's what's going on here. They, they were out on a walk, and I, I don't know exactly how that was all going about, but they were on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to Jesus, and they wanted to know what the kingdom of heaven would be like. What, what would it be like? How, how would it be different? And so Jesus answered, he's answering their question. And so when he starts in verse 14, he's saying, for it is just like, and he's saying the kingdom of heaven, the world with Jesus Christ, or the world where God is in control, the world where Jesus is the master, and he's going to be referred to as the master in the passage of scripture that we're going to read. And he says, so in this world where God is in control, where you've yielded to the master, it's different. It's, it's completely different. And so here's, here's the passage. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, and he called his own servants and, he, uh, and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents. And remember, we could say money there. You could, you could say abilities. But he gave them something that they were responsible for. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one. Depending on each one's ability. And... Uh, Then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and he earned five more. And the same way, the man who had two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Share your, man, your master's joy. The man who had two talents also approached. And he said, master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went off, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. And the master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant, if you knew that I reaped where I hadn't sown and gathered where I hadn't scattered, then then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received my money, but with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. That's kind of the, the parable. It's a story that Jesus is telling about the master, God, Jesus Christ, who's going off and he leaves responsibility to those who are, and last week we said, his servants, right? Those who belong to him. He knows his servants. He knows what they're capable of. He knows who they are. And before he leaves, he says, look, I know you're good for this, and I know you're good for this, and I know you're good for this, and I will give you responsibility according to what you're given. And we ended last week talking about driving a stake. We ended last week talking about coming to a place where enough is enough. In our own culture, we have the ability to gather. We have the ability to want more. And our commercials do so good at this, right? We talked about that, that when you get the newest and the latest of whatever it is that you've got, just wait a month. And they've come out with something that's newer and better than the latest of what you just had. And you have to have the newest and the latest of what you just had because what you just had is not any good anymore. I sound like Dr. Seuss. But that's true, right? 
And so at some point in this life that we're living, we have to come to a place where we drive a stake. And this is what we talked about last week. Our clothing wears out and, and all of a sudden there's a new, a new type of clothing or a, a new style, the electronics, the toys. And hey, by the way, these toys are for little kids and big kids, right? Because our toys get bigger and more expensive the farther we go and they wear out. And you got to have the new model of whatever it is that came out because it's better than what you just... Vehicles is the same thing because now they have Bluetooth and now you don't need half and you don't even have to think because it'll drive for you. And then it's stuff and more stuff and you just keep adding to the pile of all the things that you have. And I had someone last week who said you didn't put furnishings or decorations on there so they don't count, right? And they do. Okay? They count. But it's all this, all this conglomeration of stuff that we're inundated all the time. And if at some point, folks, we don't drive a stake and say, look, I'm in Christ now. I belong to Christ and everything that I have is the master's. Everything belongs to God. Then, then I never end. I'm never satisfied with anything that I have. I just keep adding and adding and adding. And the responsibility that the master gave me with my abilities or my money, which is to serve the kingdom of God, not to acquire a whole bunch of stuff. Remember this. There are no U-Hauls at funerals. Think about it. There are no caskets that have U-Hauls attached. It's just stuff. And at some point, if we don't drive a stake and say, look, that's enough, and all of my abilities, all of my talents, all of my money, all the stuff that I have, I'm going to use to serve the kingdom of God, what happens is I come to a place where there's nothing left, and it's all junk that I've accumulated, and I've done nothing for the kingdom of God. Now, you need to know something about this. In the middle of this parable that Jesus gives, the two guys who were faithful, remember the guy who had five and the guy who had two, who took it, and the guy who had five made ten, and the guy who had two made, right? Remember that? The stake is not static. Because think of what the master did with this. When the guy who had five doubled it, the master looked at him and said, Well done. Now, because you were faithful with a little bit, I'm giving you a whole lot more. The stake isn't static. Because all of a sudden, God says to you, look, you were good. You did well with what I gave. You honored me because you realized it was the master's. You realized that it was mine. And you used it to the best of your ability. And because I can trust you, I'll give you more. Now, here's the thing about that. Listen to how people talk all the time. Why don't I have more? Why can't I get more? Why doesn't God bless me? Let me go back to a really simple principle. He doesn't trust you. Sorry, that was blunt. But that's what the principle is. The principle is, look, if you honor what I have, what I've given you, because remember, it belongs to the master. It doesn't belong to you anyway. But if you honor what it is that I gave you, then I will bless you because I can trust you. And one of two things happens in our lives. We're still talking about the good servant, remember? One of two things happens to us, guys. Either we drive the stake and we realize that it's the master's and I'm going to use what I have for the good of the master, for the building of the kingdom. And God looks at me and says, well done. Now enter the, I love the phrase here. He says this, enter the joy. 
Because the blessing of God is a joy. Yeah. There's an incredible freedom that comes from honoring God with what he trusted you with. And he looks at these guys and he says, look, enter into the joy of saying yes to me. And I'll bless you in ways you never dreamed you could be blessed. And it will be awesome. It will be awesome. So those were the good guys that followed God. And they understood that with God, if I honor what the master gives me, he will continue to bless me and encourage me and grow me. Now, remember what we said last week. And I'm going to help you because that was a week ago. Some of you have had a lot of life. Some of you are older in life and remembering what happened last week is difficult. Sorry, sorry, Don. Um, Remember there was a third servant, and last week we said we're going to leave him for just a minute. Let's get back to the third servant. There's a third servant. Who remembers the third, third servant's response immediately? Yeah, I was afraid. Is the third servant one of the master's servants? Yeah, he is, right? They're all his servants. They all belong to the master. But for some reason, this servant is afraid of his master. And I don't know what the relationship, and I don't want to read into it, but I want you to know something, and that's if If you have a pen and you want to write a note, write this. Fear sets the boundaries for my success. Fear sets the boundaries for my success. I heard a guy, and he said it somewhat like Erwin McManus was doing a, an interview not too long ago, and I don't know if he said it exactly like that, but he was talking about his own ministry and saying yes to God, using the talents, the abilities that God gave him and saying yes, or being fearful and saying no. I struggle with that, by the way, guys, as a pastor. I struggle with being fearful. Not, not fearful as I want to hide in the corner, but what if I do it wrong? What if I don't go far enough? What if I go too far? And fear will set the boundary for how far you will go with God. And, and so I want to talk to you a few minutes about some things about fear. Number one, I want you to get this. Fear causes me to make excuses. Some of you are great at excuses. Some of you have all kinds of reasons why you can't do what it is that you know you should do. Sometimes when we know we should exercise or we should look after ourselves a little bit better, we have all kinds of excuses, right? I can't afford a membership at a gym. Did you know that you could walk outside? I'm just, just telling you. You probably have a shovel or a rake in your garage. Leaf season, it's all exercise. But we have all kinds of excuses, right? Why we can't do it. It's not my fault. You made me do it. If you were better, if you were a better employer, I would be a better employee. We wouldn't say that right to their face, but I would be better at that if. If I had more money, I would. If I had a better car, I would. You, you go ahead. Fear causes me to make excuses. And this guy was really good at it. 
And he said, look, you were a master and I didn't like the way you were the master. I didn't like the way you did stuff. And because you do it that way, that's my excuse. That's my out. Look, he's not responsible for what his master does. He's responsible for what his master asked of him. That's it. And that's us too. We got to get this in our head. We are not responsible for what our master does. We are responsible for what he asked of us. That's it. Number two. Fear causes us to blame others. Oh, sorry, number two. I got the wrong one, Christy. You can go back. I got out of order. Now you guys are going to know what three is. That's not right. Number two, fear leads me to self-preservation. Fear leads me to self-preservation. I'll protect myself and mine. That's what fear does. I'll put a wall up and I'll make sure that whatever it is doesn't get close. Or I'll make sure that if I think it's going to hurt or I think that it's going to go sideways or I think that it's not going to benefit me, I'll put a wall up and I'll make sure you don't get anywhere near me. And that's what this guy did. He said, look, I'll protect myself. I'll hide it so I don't lose it. And at least I have that. At least I've got that when he comes back. And that's fear. The master never told any one of these servants that they couldn't fail. He never said that to any one of them. He just said, here, I know your ability. Take this and do the best you can with it. It's mine, but I trust you. You're my servant. I've taught you. You have the ability. Go do it. And he never said, look, if you fail, he never said it. And this guy said, look, I'm fearful and I will preserve myself. And I will make sure that I protect me and mine. Folks, some of us as Christ followers are doing the exact same thing. And we're not jumping into a ministry that God is asking us to do. Or we're not helping someone. Or we're not part of something because we're afraid we're going to get hurt. And I will protect me and mine as much as I possibly can. God, it doesn't matter what you ask. This is what I'm going to do because it protects me. And I will isolate myself. Number three, and you already know, sorry. Fear causes us to blame others. This, this guy said, look, I knew you were a hard man. It's you. I knew. When you look at our lives, folks, as individuals, so often we spend time figuring out how we can blame somebody else for where we are. We put a lot of energy into it, by the way. And fear causes that. The opposite of fear, folks, is being wide open. And that's what Jesus asks of us. He asks us just to open up. And when we open up and we let it go, that's when we actually get the chance to grow. Because there are people in your life who really want to help you. But they can't help you if they don't know. If they don't know what's going on internally, they can't come alongside you and go, here, let me lift you up in that. Let me encourage you. Let me bring you along. Hey, do you know what? I did that one time, and this is the way it worked out. Hey, here's how God showed up in my life. When that fell apart, when that went sideways, when that didn't work out, God did this. But when we excuse it or we blame someone else and we hide, then God doesn't get the chance to use other people in our life to help us grow and become the person that he wants us to be. So let me talk about us for a minute. God may have given you five talents or five abilities or however you want to say it. 
or four or three or two or one. And some in this room have used them to the best of their ability and praise God, keep it up, don't stop, let me encourage you. Do what God is asking of you and keep at it. Even when it gets hard, keep going. But some of you have hid them. Some of you right now are in the process of hiding them. Some of you went and you spent it plus plus. You know what I mean? You spent what he gave you, but you went and you borrowed against what he gave you, and you've been spending that too? Yeah. And now you're killing yourself to earn it back, and you're trying to figure out, how do I get back to the starting gate with God? Let me tell you how you get back. You go to the master and you say, I spent it. That's how you get back. Jesus is always waiting for us to be honest with him. He already knows, by the way, you didn't hide a thing. He knows exactly what went on. (laughs) You think you hid, but he knows. He's already got it. And he's waiting for you simply to come and say, hey, look, I blew it. This is what you gave me. This is what I did. Hey, parents, isn't that what we want from our kids? It's amazing to me how often I know what they did before they tell me. And when I ask a question, just ask them. I'll ask them a question, and I already know the answer. I'm just waiting for them to tell me. And it's far better off if they tell me than if they don't. Isn't it, guys? (laughs) God's the exact same. Just come and just tell me. Instead of honoring it as the masters, you've said, look, it's all I have and I'm going to spend it on me, self-preservation. And God, if you only knew, I deserve so much more than this. Just look at who I am. We wouldn't say it out loud, but that's what we do. So let me ask you a question. Have you got more under control? Have you driven a reference stake? Because that's what that is. It's a reference stake. It's something for you to go back to and say, hey, look, this is where I realized where I was with God. This is when it all became clear for me. This is when I understood that he was the master and I was the servant. This is when I understood that what he gave me belonged to him anyway, and he he just entrusted me with it. Have you got a reference stake? And I mean that for your finances. I mean it for your abilities. I mean it for your time. I mean it for your energy. Parents, I mean it for you and your kids. Have you got a reference point? Remember when they were born? Hey, they are not yours. If you're a Christ follower, those kids are not yours. They are a blessing from God. They belong to God. They are his. And he's only asked you to train them in his way, not yours, his way. Those kids' birth, that's a reference point for when God entrusted you with those little animals. I mean, people. (laughs) Have you got reference points for all that God has entrusted to you? Are you settled on the fact that it all belongs to the Master? It's not yours. This verse reminds me of that. It's in Luke chapter 21. Let me read it for you. 
Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. They're standing outside the temple, the scribes and the Pharisees and some of the disciples and Jesus, and, and people are going by the temple, and they have a box outside the temple where people put in their offering. And they're going by, and he looked up, and he saw the rich dropping their offerings into the temple treasury, and he also saw a poor widow dropping in two tiny coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of these people have put in gifts out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all that she had to live on. This poor widow realized that everything belonged to God. And the reference point was the fact that when she understood who God was and who it belonged to, that all of it is His. And so I give out of my ability in terms that I know that it all belongs to God and whatever He asks of me, that is what I'll give because it belongs to Him anyway. And often what we want to do is we want to be like the rich and say, oh, I have 10 extra bucks. I'll give that to God. Oh, I have an hour more this week. Something canceled I didn't plan on. So now I will give that hour to God. There, he should be really pleased with me. Instead of realizing that all of it belongs to God and the start point is saying, this all belongs to God. I will give God all of it. And what he blesses with me, or blesses to me, and entrusts to me beyond that, I'll use. Because he blessed me with it. It's the start point. The reference point. It belongs to God. And Jesus looked at these folks who were giving and he said, look, this lady gets it. Her heart is in the right place. She knows that it's all God's anyway. Are you giving according to the ability the master has given you? Or are are you giving out of what you think is your surplus? God asks us to give according to how he entrusted us. So how in the world do we do that? (laughs) How do you get to the place where that happens regularly? Well, In the next minute or two, we're going to celebrate communion. And what communion is, is a reminder of what the price that was paid for me. To have a relationship with my creator. And when I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus Christ loved me so much, that he was willing to go to the cross and pay for sins that I couldn't pay for, to restore a relationship with my father that my sin had broken. When I remember that, when I'm reminded of that, it very quickly reminds me of the fact that it's all the masters. It's what he did for me, not what I did. I didn't earn any of this. I didn't earn the right, guys, for any of this. It's not because I work so hard. It's not because I'm such a smart guy. (laughs) Definitely not that. It's not because I'm so good. It's not because I figured out something that no one else figured out. It's that God the Father blessed me 
And he blessed me first and foremost through his son, Jesus Christ, in a relationship with him. And it all belongs to him anyway. And so this morning as we celebrate communion together, if you're a Christ follower, remind yourself. He bought you. The price was high. He was willing to pay it. And everything that you have, you have because the master entrusted it to you. Luke chapter 22, I want to read a couple verses and we'll celebrate communion. Starting at verse 14, he says this. When the hour came and he reclined at the table with the apostles with him, then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way he also took the cup after supper and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus was setting up the institution, really, of the Lord's table. And the Lord's table was simply this, an explanation of what he was about to do on our behalf. That he would go to the cross and that Jesus' perfect body would be broken for us and his perfect blood would be shed so that our sin, the payment of our sin could be paid. And so this morning the guys will hand out the cup and they'll hand out the bread and when they do, you can stop and pray and remember what God has done for you and go ahead and take it as you're ready. If you're here and that's something that's foreign to you, don't worry about it, you don't need to take it, you can let that go, it's fine. No one will think anything of it. But if you're a Christ follower this morning and you have a relationship with Jesus, be reminded that God the Father wanted to restore his relationship with you and he knew that the only way that could happen was through the perfect sacrifices of his son, Jesus Christ. And so when we couldn't do it, when we couldn't pay the price, he did it for us. When I wasn't enough, his son was. And as you take that, remember, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christ follower, everything you have is from the master's hand. It all belongs to him. Father, thank you for being so generous to us. Oh, wow. You have blessed us so incredibly. Thanks for the, for the reminder from your word this morning that you're a master who loves to bless his servants. You know our gifts and our abilities and you want to use them for your kingdom. And you want us to just say yes, just to yield. Help us to do that. And God, in the next few moments, remind us of whose we are and why. 
Help us to celebrate the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Father, thanks so much for the price that was paid on our behalf. Thank you that we can come before you open, honest. That you promised that you offer us forgiveness and acceptance through your son, Jesus Christ. Thanks. Thank you for the reminder this morning that because you paid the price, it's all yours. God, we know that what you're asking of us is our hearts. Because when you have our heart, you have everything. So grant us the courage to yield our hearts to you and to continually say yes to your spirit in our lives. In your name we pray.